the City View Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, City View, and happy Mother's Day to all of you watching. Moms, if you're watching this morning, I hope that you are sitting in the most comfy chair. I hope you have your feet propped up. I hope somebody is filling you a fresh cup of coffee and that you're getting to take a moment to enjoy this. But I also know if you've got kids running around your house, these quiet moments won't last for long. So I hope that during this time that we get to spend together that you can be refreshed, that you can be blessed, and that you can come away just feeling a little bit more ready for whatever is facing you today. I, uh, I wanted to start out this morning just by sharing a little bit of mom wisdom with you, right? We all need a little bit more wisdom in our life, a little bit of those tips and tricks, those life hacks that we all want. And I'm going to share these with you. First, I want to tell you it's a proven fact that no matter how early you get up in the morning to have some quiet moments, maybe sip a cup of coffee in peace, your children will get up just as early and will find you. It's a fact. You can be as quiet as you want. It will happen. Second, this has a little bit of math for you. However many hours you spend in the kitchen cooking a meal is inversely proportionate to the number of kids in your family that will actually eat that meal. It's a proven fact. You spend four hours making a French meal from scratch. It's pretty likely that zero of your children will eat it or enjoy it. You throw together some dinosaur-shaped chicken nuggets and some tater tots, they will devour it all, and they will rave like you are a master chef. And finally, my last little bit of wisdom for you here, my Mother's Day gift to you, is if you plan way ahead and you get cute coordinating outfits for your whole family for some event or holiday, it is a guaranteed fact that your kids will wait until the last day before the event to try on those clothes and inform you that they are too itchy, too small, or too ugly to ever wear in in public. It's just a fact. I hope these things help you out. This is my gift to you here on Mother's Day. It's just parenting science. But really, all jokes aside, I know that some of you are coming here today, and this is a hard day. This isn't something that you celebrate or that you're enjoying. Maybe for some of you, you don't have the relationship that you hoped you could have with your mom. And this is a painful day. Maybe some of you have lost your mom and today is a reminder of how much you miss her. Maybe you have always dreamed of being a parent and that dream just hasn't come true. Or frankly, maybe you are a mom and motherhood is just not panning out how you thought it would. And today doesn't feel like anything we're celebrating. I want you to know that God sees your pain. He sees your heart today. And I hope that today blesses you as well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for meeting us here today, God. Wherever we are, whatever we're bringing here with us, God, you see our hearts, you see our deepest needs, and you're ready to meet us. Jesus, we love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I want to start out on a good note, bringing you some very good news this morning. I know that um, there's not a lot of good news in the world right now, right? I don't know if you're like me, but I just couldn't take it anymore. I deleted all the news apps off my phone. I'm in a total media blackout. I just, I can't take it anymore. It's bad news overload. So let's get a little bit of good news here. And my good news for you today is that when I searched the Bible front to back, I found that there were no perfect families that I could report to you today. 
And that's really good news for all of us because I love when the bar gets set pretty darn low, don't you? <laughs> There's just not a lot to live up to here, people. There are some amazing points of wisdom to learn, though, from some of these families. One of the things that I found was most impactful looking at all of these stories of families throughout the Bible was that, yeah, there were a lot of broken families, a lot of dysfunction, a lot of chaos and messiness. But behind every story, there was a really good God working and moving on their behalf. Today, we are going to look at one of these families, though, that you would not have set high expectations for. If you looked at the situations and the circumstances around them as they started their family, you would not think that anything good would come from that situation. And, but behind all of this chaos, we are going to see God setting the stage for some of his absolute biggest miracles of the Bible. The story we're going to look at is kind of like an origin story of one of our heroes of the Bible. Let's find out where he came from, and that's Moses. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and turn it to Exodus chapter 1, and I'm going to catch you up a little bit on what's happened in this story leading up to where we are. So at this point in history, the Israelites, there are people that are God's chosen people, and God has made some really big promises to them to this point. He's promised he's going to bless them. He's promised that they're going to multiply and grow as a people. He's promised them this land that they were living in would be theirs for all these generations, and he's promised that he's never going to leave them. But at this point in the story where we pick it up, they're not living through any of those promises right now. They had to leave their land during a famine many generations before. And for whatever reason, after God had provided and saved them by going to Egypt to avoid this famine, they just never went back to that promised land. They settled in, they got kind of cozy, and they stayed. Now, God's plans did keep working out. They did multiply and grow as a people. But they now find themselves, instead of living in freedom, they're sort of accidental slaves in Egypt. And the part where we're picking up the story here is with Pharaoh's plan of how he's going to control these people. These circumstances are not looking good right now for the Israelites. So we're picking it up in chapter 1, verse 15. It says, Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Shipra and Pua. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth... Watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. But because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's orders. They allowed the boys to live too. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives. Why have you done this? He demanded. Why have you allowed the boys to live? The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, the midwives replied. They are more vigorous and they have their baby so quickly that we cannot get there in time. So God was good to the midwives, and the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. So we're going to get to Moses in just a minute, but there would be no Moses if there wasn't first a Shipra and a Pua. I know you probably don't know these names, but they're ones that we should all know. These are amazing women of the Bible. And it's pretty significant here. You got to take note, anytime somebody gets their name personally mentioned, especially in the Old Testament, and they're not a king or the commander of an army, it's something really big and significant, especially to be a woman mentioned by name here. We can infer that these women were probably young, probably unmarried, because it tells us later that after this, God blessed them with families. But they weren't just your average ladies. They were strong. They were fearless. 
They defied a direct order from probably the most powerful man on the entire planet. They heard what he had to say and they said, mm, nah, we're gonna keep delivering these babies, thank you very much. They didn't seem concerned about the consequences. They knew the value of those lives that they were saving. And they put that as a higher priority than what any king had to tell them or any pharaoh. You know, once upon a time, I think we used to call babies a little bundle of joy. I'm sure a lot of you have heard that. I haven't heard that in a lot of years. Oh, it's kind of old fashioned. It's fallen out of, fallen out of vogue. I think now the cliches, a lot of times that we hear more often about babies and about children are, you know, the, the funny things printed on mom t-shirts about how your kids are driving you crazy how you got to drink all day to keep up with your kids, how, <laughs> you know, kids are just a weight that you drag around until it's time to launch them out into the world on their own. And I think, you know, my kids do drive me bonkers all day long. I think some of those shirts are pretty darn funny, but I also think that there's an attitude behind some of that. There's a value that's changed on children. It's almost a joke to see kids as just an annoyance, um, an inconvenience. I am so, so grateful for our leadership that God has put here at City View that has such a very different view of our children. I especially think of Janine, who has set up just a culture within our city kids that says that these kids are valuable and that they are precious, and not just as somebody that they are going to become someday, but that they are valued and they are loved today for who they are right now. And that is spread all throughout her whole ministry. I think about our junior high and high school students who serve in city kids. How incredible. This isn't the cool, trendy thing to do, right? They're not posting pics of city kids online or on Instagram to get the likes, right? There's no rock a baby TikTok challenge, right? This is so counterculture, but they do it and they serve week after week and they love it. It's incredible. There are modern day shipras and puas, right? Honoring God by loving these kids. I think so much about all of you school teachers. My goodness, you are educated, intelligent people who could probably pick a dozen other careers, right? <laughs> and be more successful and not have to work nearly as hard. But you value these children that God brings to your classroom every year. You invest in them, you pour into their lives. And that's just so incredible what you do. I know that this has been a really hard month for you teachers. You have plans, you have goals for your students, and all of that got derailed in the last few weeks. I can't imagine how out of control that must have felt watching things change moment by moment. But I'm so impressed with what you have pulled together, the ways you've been able to continue to support your students and encourage them through these last few weeks of the school year. Thank you for what you do. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. That's amazing. I think also about you homeschool parents. It is not an easy job to be both parent and teacher all day, every day. I'm sure there are a lot of other things you'd love to do every weekday afternoon than teach science and math, but there you are pouring into your kids and investing in them. That's honoring to God. He loves that. He's going to bless you for that. Just the same way he loved and honored and blessed Shipra and Pua for what they did and saving these kids' lives. Okay, so a little detour off on those two great ladies. Let's get back on the story of Moses. We're going to move on to chapter 2, verse 1 here and find out where Moses came in. After this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and she gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and she kept him hidden for three months. 
When she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance, watching to see what would happen to him. Wow, so Moses was not born at the best time in history, right? His parents are Israelites. Yes, they're the chosen people, but they're living as slaves right now. Not just slaves, but slaves under a really evil Pharaoh who wants to kill baby boys. Not an awesome time to have a baby boy, right? The situations were outside of their control, were beyond anything they could fix or repair. And maybe the situations you're in right now are way less than ideal, right? Maybe you're a single mom and you never thought you'd be raising a kid or children alone. Maybe you just can't seem to get ahead financially. Every time you start to grow a business or build something, the economy takes a turn and is totally outside of your control and you're frustrated. Maybe your kids are grown now and you look back and you think, man, I wish I was walking with the Lord back when I was raising my kids. I would have done things so differently. And that's just outside of your control to change any of that. Maybe you aren't a parent, but you're just feeling the pressure right now that we're all under. We feel so out of control and trapped by these circumstances. We can't change what's happening around us from day to day. Everything feels like it's different. Each morning you wake up and you don't know what to expect. It's a lot to take in. It's a lot to feel helpless and out of control. But I'm going to just uh, spoil the end of the story a little bit here and tell you. Moses was born at possibly the worst time to be born a baby boy in the worst possible place. But it did not stop God's plans for Moses. And I'm going to take that a step further and say that the circumstances in your life that are surrounding you right now are not going to limit what God is going to do in your life, in your kids' lives, in your family's lives. Things that can look like limitations to us and can look like barriers, I think especially as we watch in the lives of our children, they are not limits to God. They might even be part of what God's doing in our children's lives. And trust me, I've had to remind myself and say this to myself over and over again, especially this last week, as I see some of the things facing my children and think, how is, how is any of this going to turn out okay? But we have such a good God, and His goodness is unchanging. It doesn't stop. It isn't altered by the situations going on in the world or in our lives. It's going to keep pursuing us and moving forward in our lives. God says in Isaiah 55, My thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I know we love to have our life and our situations looking tidy and wrapped up in a little bow, but praise God, his ways are not our ways. And the middle of the circumstances and situations we find ourselves in right now are not the end of the story. Sometimes the circumstances that are keeping us up at night and that are stealing our sleep, they're just part of the backdrop of what God is weaving and for what he's going to do next in our lives. Let me take just a brief pause here in this story and talk to some of you who had really broken families and childhoods. I know we're kind of joking about messy families, but for some of you, it was a really deep matter that you've carried pain with you throughout your life from how you were raised. We don't want to make light of that. 
you might still be carrying some of those deep emotional wounds from whatever happened to you. And I want you to know that even though God is good and even though he's going to work things for good, what happened to you in your childhood is not good and was not God's best in his plan for you. God hates the brokenness in this world and he hates the pain that it left behind for you. God really desires for you to find healing and to find victory as you move forward in your life. Maybe you're going to have an encounter with Jesus that just transforms you and heals you and sets you free. We've seen that in so many of our own lives. We've seen that in stories throughout the Bible. But maybe God's going to heal you in a slow process that comes with just living in a safe, loving community like we have here at City View and walking with other people who can love you through that process of healing. Maybe you could even benefit from some outside professional help to find healing for whatever you went through. We embrace that here. There is no stigma around seeking help. In fact, if you think that that's something that would benefit you, get in touch with us and we can connect you with a trained professional who has the tools to help you walk through those things in your past. Like I said, God doesn't want you to live in that or to carry that with you. He wants you to have victory and to have healing. Okay, let's go back and catch up with Moses here. So we've heard that when he was born, we know that this was not an ideal time to be a baby in Egypt, right? There was no baby shower. There was no birth plan written up lovingly by his mother, right? I mean, she maybe she did have a birth plan written out. And it was just real simple. Keep the baby alive. That was it. That's all her goal was. <laughs> but Moses' mom, she just did the best she could at that right in the middle of that moment. First, she knows she's got to keep him alive. She defies Pharaoh. She does the right thing. She values that baby, and she keeps him alive and hidden. But then he probably gets too big, too noisy. You know, those three-month-old babies, they like to start to squawk and squeal. She can't keep him hidden any longer. She's got to take the ultimate step of faith. She covers a basket and pitch. She sets her baby out in the Nile River. Now, growing up, I kind of just took this as a fact. Okay, so she sets her baby in a basket in the river. And I never really thought about why she did that or what was going on. Now, as a mom, after having raised babies, I think I could probably come up with a dozen other places that I would think were safer to put my baby than to set him in a basket in the largest river on earth. <laughs> but I really wanted to look at a little more at why. Why would she do something like this? You know, sometimes people in the Bible do some pretty crazy things after, you know, an angel will visit them and give them these wild instructions and they'll follow through and a miracle will happen. We don't ever hear of that happening to Moses' mom. There's no how to save your Hebrew baby, baby manual that she can turn to and flip through chapters and find some good ideas. We don't get any picture or idea from this text that there's other moms doing the same thing. There's not a line of ladies all launching their babies off in baskets here. Why would she pick a basket, stick him in the river? Well, what we do know is that Moses' mom was a Hebrew. And you can guarantee that one of the stories that she had heard over and over and over again, that she probably had memorized and knew by heart, was a story about another man that God had saved from certain death that had worked a miracle to bring him through. In fact, when we're looking here in this text, the Hebrew word that's used in the original text here in Exodus to describe the basket that Moses' mom put him in, it's a word called teva. It's only used one other time in the whole entire Bible, and I think you're going to be amazed where it was. It's used for Noah's ark. 
the scale is drastically different, right? One is like a floating zoo. The other one's a tiny little basket. But both of them were just an act of faith by an individual believing in God, trusting that God would do something and come through and meet them, and then God doing a miracle and saving them through the impossible. How did Moses' mom know how to do this, right? None of this was even written down yet. There was no book of Genesis for her to have read and known about Noah. But she knew God's word because she had heard it over and over and over again. It was probably something she knew by heart. She had probably told it to her other children. It was part of her and her history of her people. Are you freaked out right now by parenting and the daily decisions you have to make? I'm pretty freaked out. I don't know what to do in a lot of situations. Are you just worried or confused about what you're supposed to do next in life? It feels like we never know what we're supposed to do from one day to the next lately. Get into God's word. God is going to use the things that you read to give you the directions that you need in life. Not just in the big how to save your baby from Pharaoh kind of decisions, but even in the everyday little moments that you just need wisdom. You just need guidance and direction. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to do any of this. You don't have to study for hours or have big stacks of dusty old commentaries or memorize chapters of the Bible. It's so simple. It starts so easy. Set your Bible out on your kitchen table, wherever you, you know, drink your cup of coffee in the morning or eat your breakfast. Just start a small new habit of opening up the Bible and reading a few verses at a time is all it really takes. When you get to something that really hits your heart, keep mulling it over all through the day. Let it seep into your mind and later God's going to work it in through your heart. It's not a quantity thing. God uses the quality of what he has to say to transform you. When you fill your mind with God's word, it's going to start to transform your heart and it's going to start to give you true wisdom that's going to come out in your day-to-day situations. So let's just say you're having one of those days, like a lot of us have been having lately. Your kids are been inches away from you all day long. They are pushing your every last button. And you think, hmm, what am I supposed to do when my kid's being a total jerk? That's a real issue, right? That's a real life thing. We could all use some wisdom and some help in how to deal with. It's not the kind of thing you can say, you know, hey, Alexa, what do I do when my kid's being a jerk? You might get some advice from the web, but I'm going to tell you right now, you probably shouldn't follow it, right? But if you're filling your mind with God's word, Maybe what's going to bubble up to the surface when you're in that moment and you're overwhelmed, you're going to think, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ Jesus also forgave you. That's some good wisdom. That's some solid parenting advice right there. That's not just being kind to your peers and to one another. Yes, that means being kind to your children, even when they're pushing your very last button. So back to Moses' mom, she did not have a perfect plan all laid out to save her son, but she did have faith and she did have belief in a good God that was going to somehow miraculously come through because she remembered what he had done for generations before them. She knew the stories. In the end, Moses is found. He's raised by Pharaoh's daughter. Wild twist in the story there. But you know what? Even after that, Through a string of really poor life choices by Moses, he ends up a murderer. He's on the run. He's got to run away from his home, and he spends the next 40 years in a little desolate desert town taking care of a bunch of stinky sheep. 
It's not really how you expect a hero in the Bible to spend half of their life, right? <laughs> but you can't outrun the goodness of God or his plans to transform your life, not even in the back uh, deserts of Midian, right? When God knows the time is right, he meets Moses in such a dramatic way. He transforms his life. And he sets his life on a completely different trajectory. No matter where you're at, no matter how long you've been running from God or hiding in the desert, God is there to redeem you, to transform your life, and to use you. And moms, if you have a child today that's walking so far away from God, there is never too late. They are never too far gone. The goodness of God will follow them wherever they are, even when you don't know where they're at. God does. His goodness is with them. I want to leave you with a verse that just speaks to my heart in these times when I feel overwhelmed, when I feel like I don't know what's going on around me, when I have no idea how to parent, how to care for my family. This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The same God that saved a little baby floating in the Nile, later used him to deliver his people from slavery. That's the same God who's here today in the middle of all of this with you and with me. I know that our lives have reached a whole new level of chaos and mess and stress right now. There's so much unknown floating around us. But I do know one thing that I hold on to above all of the noise and that is that in all of this mess, we have a very good God who loves us so deeply. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for your goodness to us. God, when we feel the stress and the fear start to mount up in our hearts, God, may you bring to mind the times that you have met us in such amazing ways, God. Remind us of Moses, remind us of Noah, remind us of the times that you have worked miracles, Lord, because we know you're gonna do that again for us, for our families and for our communities. God, we love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For up-to-date series information, find us on social media at CityViewPHX or go to cityviewphx.com.